wasn't mentioned, but I think it ought to be mentioned. What we're doing is ensuring that the legacy passes on and the wisdom and the knowledge doesn't die with you. So when did you write this book, if you don't mind? In term, was it in retirement, after retirement, um, that kind of thing? Maybe it can stimulate and help somebody so that they don't die with the expertise in them. Okay, thank you for that question. When did I write the book? Actually, you can, you, you can easily add up my age. I, I, I retired from the regular school system at the regular age of, you know, age 60. And then I started Chura Foundation. And Chura Foundation have been in operation now for 16 years. So you see, you have my age right away. And then, I mean, the writing of the book was done 2019. So at that time when this book was written, I was already um, 74, 75, 74 or thereabouts. Um, it's in my retirement, all of this is, and, and now when I, and a lot of things I've done, a lot of things that I have done, both in education, when I was doing that doctorate, I was already, I mean, nearing 70. And, uh, and so a lot of things that I have done, have been done while I'm in retirement, when, after I retired from my regular um, school system. Um, what you're saying, Ruth, about dying with what you have i think right now my interest really is to, to to pass on to pass on what i have um yes to leave the i, I said yes okay it's time for you to relax and you know retire <laughs> you know really retire and i am prepared to do that but before I do that, I want to make sure that some of what I have, my experience that I have gained along the road today, have been passed on. I am looking for practitioners, persons who will decide this. Yes, I want to try some of the strategies that you have been using and to be practitioners in the field. I want to practice it. So, a lot of my emphasis in the course that I'm doing now is really to inspire people to want to take the extra effort to learn how to do it and practice it. And then I can, I can leave the scene comfortable to say that, uh, you know, I have a couple of people who have passed on the skill my learning and experience to, and so my work will continue. Yes. and. Uh, so age is a factor only to the extent that of the consciousness that you need to pass on what you have. So it does not die with you. Have mm -hmm. I answered your question? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, let me say, I am encouraged by this. And I what if writing a book is not just a way to transform the lives of many people, but also a way to create financial freedom and leave a legacy? Wouldn't you want to find out just how to do that? 
Well, that's what this show is all about. Hi, I'm Henneke Wodkiss, sporter, speaker, coach, author of Podcasts Power, and the host of the Entrepreneurial You podcast, inviting you to listen to the Entrepreneur Secrets podcast, brought to you by C. Ruth Taylor, best-selling in the author and the Caribbean's most trusted voice on entrepreneurship. Tune in for inspiration, information, and innovation to write and win with books. Get ready to dominate entrepreneurship. Greetings, entrepreneurs. Welcome to episode nine of the Entrepreneur Secrets podcast. I'm your host, C. Ruth Taylor, and this is a program where we give you the roadmap to win with books beyond book sales and dominate entrepreneurship. We want the Caribbean to become the home of independent publishing and this is a show where we are equipping you to do just that with the strategies and bringing on people from the Caribbean and elsewhere to share their stories and their experiences so that you can be encouraged and inspired to write and publish your story and leverage your book for maximum impact and income. Coming up in today's show is a very inspiring interview with Dr. Clara Ricketts, author of the book, Yes, They Can, Working with Children with Learning and Behavior Disorders. And Dr. Ricketts converted her dissertation and her expertise to a book and uh, we interviewed her at the Caribbean Entrepreneur Summit held earlier this year in January. And her story was so inspiring. Dr. Ricketts at almost 70 enrolled in a doctoral program and completed that doctoral program in two years. Then went on to write her first book after her professors encouraged her to do so. And so we want you to listen and learn just how she did that. So if you're pursuing doctoral studies like I am, guess what? Your dissertation can become a book and your lifelong experience and expertise can also become a book. But just before we get into that interview, which was done by my co-host at the summit, author of the book, The Albino Marketer, Raquel Newman. You are going to be hearing from our sponsor, Frame Art Jamaica. And then right after that, we'll get into the interview. So stay tuned. Come to Frame Art Jamaica Limited for your one-stop framing, graphic design, and printing needs. We frame photos, certificates, paintings, t-shirts, and so much more. You can also get high-quality prints and framing done in a quick turnaround time to fit your budget. Visit Frame Art Jamaica at 22C Old Hope Road, Kingston 5, weekdays 8.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Call us at 876-929-3058 or visit us at info at frameartjamaica.com. Serving you for over 30 years. Meet Dr. Clara Ricketts. She holds a doctoral degree in transformational leadership and has been an innovator and special educator for over 48 years. She founded Shore Foundation Educational Center and has worked with children with behavior disorders. Not only has she worked with developing strategies to cope and bring positive results in that area, but she has also written a book titled, Yes, They Can, 
working with children with learning and behavior disorders. In her passion for special education and behavior management, Dr. Ricketts has shared on many platforms in Jamaica, Buffalo, New York, the Netherlands, and St. Lucia. Let's welcome Dr. Ricketts. Awesome. Thank you. That was a wonderful video. Dr. Ricketts, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. I think this is going to be an amazing session given your particular skill area. So I'm just going to jump right into it. And I would love you to tell us, because, you know, we are authors and aspiring authors. And as such, I would love for you to tell us about your author journey. Okay. Thank you. And again, I would like to express my pleasure at being here to share in this wonderful summit about me and my author journey. Actually, I did not set out to write. I started the thought about writing while I was with my doctoral degree and my professors encouraged me from the work that I was doing because in the study, what I did was to bring forth the work that I was engaged in over the years. And a part of that study included telling about, uh, describing the work that I was doing, the children I was working. When my professors saw it, they commented that this work should be published. You should put this work in a book. And so that was where the, the seed of thought started. Now, after I finished my dissertation, completed the degree, then I picked up on that recommendation and started to explore the possibility of writing. I did that, you know, asked for recommendations and for help for persons who had written before. And I, I thought, of course, that the first thing I needed to do was to find someone who would publish that book once I wrote it. And so that was where I began. I was introduced to a publisher. And after I wrote my proposal and presented it, I got a negative response. The response was that um, they were not interested in education. I was very discouraged, very disappointed to the point where I decided to drop it because I didn't know, I, I didn't have the information, enough information about publishers. So once I got a no from this one to whom I was recommended, I got cold feet and decided to let it rip. Maybe I don't need to write a book after all. But somehow later on, maybe about two months after, one of the persons who was on the panel, you know, to make the decision about the choice of books and acceptance, contacted me and encouraged me not to drop my desire or my ambition to write a book. 
And she went ahead and introduced me to someone who could help me to write the book. Actually, I could write in coach. I met this person and very fast, you know, the encouragement that I got from her, she also requested that I lay out the, my plan for the book, the proposal for the book, exactly what I want to put in there. And then she got me started. So she worked with me step by step um, with the book, chapter by chapter, until I completed it. Now, having completed it, somehow I thought that uh, she was going to publish the book herself. <laughs> but then she made me know that uh, uh, this person was from the Netherlands. Okay. And she made me know that uh, I needed to have a publisher from within my region. That would make better sense. And so I came home to Jamaica with my thoughts and my search, not knowing where to start again. But then in talking to one of my lecturers from Jamaica Theological Seminar, which was I was a student, I, she, he introduced me to Ruth Taylor. I, the name sounded very familiar, but I didn't know a Ruth Taylor. He said I knew the person. And then when it turned out, when I made the call I real, to Ruth, I realized this was someone I had known before, um, actually, as one of my lecturers at the Jamaica Theological Seminary. But I knew her as Kamika. So that phone call to her parted the ball. I was so elated. And beginning, I was introduced now to Extra Mile Innovators, of which she was, well, founder, director, everything. And it had been, or has been such joy working with her and going through the processes she made it sound so easy, but I thought was such an, you know, a, a hard job. She made it sound so easy, and she worked with me until yes, I came to the end, um, and completed the book. The title is Yes, They Can. So, um, the book is on the market now, and with all what came in between, and she set me up. It didn't just stop there in terms of helping me to promote the book, to get it on Amazon and all of that. I just believe that the work of this publisher and in the publisher, um, it was above and beyond my expectation. Okay. Yes. All right. So, you know, I love that lovely share. Um, it seems as if along the way you had some challenges because, you know, you had a publisher turn you down, you had somebody telling you that you need to go and find a publisher in your local region that would make more sense. You did not know what to do. So my question is, um, what were 
some of the challenges or let me not say challenges what was the most disappointing thing that you experienced uh when you were writing and or when you were publishing this book well it is true that my most disappointing disappointing experience was the point where i was turned on that was the most disappointing because i had already in the in presenting the proposal, I had already written, the, I should submit a chapter, and mm -hmm. I submitted this chapter, which I was so excited about, it was telling my story, and I, I thought that would be a good way to start a book. And when they looked at all of that and did not even, you know, give it and a thought, I was very disappointed and I started to wonder whether I should use that introduction in any book that I'm writing. So I was tempted to leave it off, even when I, I, I started to write, when I met this um, writing coach, I was tempted to leave off that chapter which I had presented. But when she, so that was disappointing too. But when she read it and she was uh, thrilled by it, and I got so much encouragement from that first chapter, which is still the first chapter of the book. And that is the one which I thought had been rejected in the beginning. So, you know, that that piqued uh, my interest, and I'm sure people would want to know because um, you said the story and a part of what the summit is about is impact and income. And it seems as if that story had an impact on you for you to write that book. What, what is, can you share a little bit about that story with us? You know, Ruth shared her powerful story of how she wrote the book. I know you talked about being encouraged by your professor, but what is that story? Because it seems as if that is the, the driving force behind the book. Um, okay, actually, that story tells about my introduction, not only to special education, but to the whole matter of managing behavior, managing behavior management. And the rest of, of, the, of the book tells about my experience within that field of special education and also in working with and dealing with children with um, behavior disorders. And so, as well as learning disabilities. So the book was really speaking about that, challenges with behavior management and children with learning disabilities. And that chapter introduced both concepts. Uh, the book is tied to, yes, to the behavior management because that is mostly what I do from day to day. I am a teacher. I've been a teacher for, well, about 55 years to be exact. And um, I have been working with special education, that is children with different disabilities. I started out with children who are deaf and then um, I had behavior management 
um, to face at that time, my first day at school, which, which I've explained in that story, my first day with these children was uh, an experience. It was a disaster. I, I went into the job very confident that I could manage, no matter what the problem was, with a child with a disability, these were children who were deaf, and I went in confident that I could work with them, no, I could manage them. And then, and so I got the job with this, you know, with the confidence of the, my interviewers that yes, here was somebody who knew what she was about, although I had never taught deaf children before, but I was able to explain how I would teach them. And then I went on the job for the first day. And the children did not look at me. There were only eight children in the class, nine years old. And what I thought was going to be so easy, they didn't look at me. I was so frustrated that day that by the end of it, you know, as I repeated more than once, I went to when I slept from about four o'clock until the next day. So frustrated oh I was, so pained I was. And so the behavior of the children met me um, full force the first day that I stepped in. The second day, I decided that, wow, I mean, this can't work. I have to find a way. So I prepared, I'm teaching aid that I believe was attract them. And then I went in and I, you know, bought things that they could work with, with their hands, went in, gave that to them. They finished it very fast. And then I went to my next thought and said, well, what must I do to attract these children? The, granted, they didn't look at me. They just did what I gave them to do. And then, you know, they, they were not looking at me. They were not listening to me at all. Oh, no. You know, so I and did it any old way. So I took them outside for physical education. Games. All children love games. So I took them out for games. And that was a mistake. They took the whole place for themselves. They didn't look at me. And I had no idea how to get their attention because they were not hearing me. So I had to run all over the place until I finally got them into the classroom. When I got them into the classroom, um, I was out of breath and stressed more than I was the day before. A teacher who was there said to me, you have to let them know that you're in charge. And so what that meant to me then, and in terms of the whole culture of the school system at that time, was that you had to let them know by holding a strap. And that's what I did. That was a, that was a worse mistake. They rebelled outrageously. They took their chairs and their desk and they threw them all over the place and they pointed in my face and threatened me and went for their friends um, to deal with me. So um, that day was a disaster wow. worse than the one before. 
I am talking about facing the, 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 the conduct of these students who I thought was it was going to be so easy. I mean, working with nine children, I mean, compared to the 70 that I was teaching at the primary level, I thought this was going to be so easy. And here I was a total wreck by the end of the second day. But then I knew that I could not fail. I had to find a way. So I went, I recognized that these children were deaf. And so I had to appeal to what was they had, which was their eyes. They would need to learn their eyes, which is what I was convinced from the beginning. So I looked into my wardrobe for the prettiest dress that I could find. <laughs> I, it had every color in it. I put on that to attract their eyes. And then I made, yes, after that time, and I made the beautiful chart to take with me. The following morning, I went to school and I, I rearranged their desk, labeled the desk, put their names on, and had you know, my chart ready to start the moment they came in the classroom. I went to the door and met them. The first child came and she looked at my shoe, my dress. They didn't wear uniforms and they pointed to the dress, to the color in the dress to match the color in their uniform, in the dress they were wearing. And then one by one they came and everyone went and, and came and tried to match their dress, the colors on their clothes, with a boy or girl. They were more boys than girls. And this magic, and I said, wow, thank God they're looking at me. You know, they're not looking at my face, but they're looking at me. You know, I thought that was a winner. So they looked at my shoes. I had put on a very pretty shoes as well. And then I decided to lead them to the classroom. When they went to the classroom, their eyes popped open because everything changed. They didn't know where to sit. They had to go now and look for their names. And... Um, and, and found the name and they kept on having to look at me, you know, to somewhere else to look. So then I got their attention. I got their attention. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. After, after that, I pulled out the chart and then I started with it. I had them and I said, so where should I put it? I gesticulated, where should I put it? And each one started to tell me where to put it there. I said, oh, wow, okay. And so I kept going. But what that did to me was to put in front of me the, um, the, the challenge of the behavior that stood out more than the children's um, deafness or their capacity to learn, their mental ability, the behavior management, I mean, hit at me full blast. And so that was where my, my well, I didn't start there. I started to practice behavior management from, I was in teacher's college the moment I was introduced to, um, to it. I started to practice behavior management, and not both in my home and with the children that I taught in the primary school. But this one, this one brought it home full force. Wow. Um, that, that, that is an amazing story. And, you know, um, I guess what I would want to ask you is to share with us, because I know your book would have some gems, and this is really 
Yes, it's about entrepreneurship. And what I really wanted to ask you before was um, how, what have you created from your book? And I will definitely ask you about that. But tell me something um, about behavior management today, right? Well, your book, I know, has some winning strategies. Would you mind just sharing maybe one or two? And if you could tell us a little about the, found, the foundation that you're with, I think that would pique the interest of our audience. Um, okay. Well, I must tell you that in addition to working with these women, I also I adopted a child and that child turned out to have, I didn't know then, but the child had attention deficit hyperactive disorder. And so that child came right into my space with a disability in addition to the disabilities I was dealing with at school and the behavior problem. And with ADHD comes behavior problem. Um, and so I was dealing with it both at home and school. And um, the strategies, um, the first thing has to do with love, with love. I maintain that before you are going to start trying to find a way to deal with a child's behavior or to discipline that child, love has to be there. The child has to feel and experience your love for them. You have to, within your heart, there has to be that extra within that is going to make you want to bother with them at all, whether they're at home or they're at school, you know? And, and so I often say that you do not have the right to, to, to um, discipline a child or even to try, right, to correct their behavior until you have experienced love in your heart for them. When you have, when you love the child and the child can experience your love, whether they return the love or not, then you have the power to modify their behavior, to correct them, to discipline, whatever. And a lot of times the problems that we have with the children and their behavior is that they do not feel that they are loved. Um, and very often that is uh, expressed in the way that we relate to them because we do not um, pay them a correct, pay them atten an attention to their behavior until it is a bad behavior. And so what they see, they see us as persons recommending their bad behaviors. They don't see us as encouragers in any way. And so they rebel. That happens a lot. And many of the children who I work with at Shure Foundation Educational Center, they come to me basically because they are having behavior problems. Yes, they're having learning challenges. They often go together. But um, the children who are just slow learners or they have learning disability, 
but no behavior problems, those don't come to me. The ones who come to me very often are the ones who have been rejected. They have been excluded from a number of schools because the teachers cannot manage them or cannot tolerate their behavior. And so they're expelled from one, two, three, and more schools. Then um, whether the Ministry of Education, when they go there for support, the Ministry of Education will send them to me or someday they'll hear about the school from some other way and come. So at Sheriff Foundation Educational Center, what we deal with are children with behavior disorders and learning challenges and behavior disorders. But the behavior is the one that always projects itself first. It stands in the way of whatever other learning will take place. And so we have to deal with that in order to get um, beyond there for learning to take place. But in addition to loving them, we must have the confidence that they can learn to behave. And hence the title of my book, Yes, They Can. So in the book, I've, I've described who the children are, the challenges that they have, their, their true condition, because they come with different, they come with baggages. Baggages that include abuse, psychological abuse, verbal abuse, and physical abuse, neglect, all different sorts of things that help them to be the way that they are. And, and so within the book, I describe these children. I also describe their, what their, their life experiences have been that has led some of them to be the way that they are. Their parents will not know or do not understand, you know, and so a part of the book speaks to parents to help them to understand the children that they have. And it also speaks to teachers, you know, to help them to understand these children as well. And rather than turn them out of school or turn their back against them so forcefully, I mean, so many of these children have been hurt, really hurt, deep inside, based on the treatment that they have received. My own child, when I realized that he had a disability and he went to from nursery school, they were classifying him as bad boy. And that tore me up on the inside, you know? And so I, I know that many of our teachers do not understand them and they, 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 they need help. And so a part of the book speaks to that, you know, how to help these children as teachers. It also tells about the success of these students, the many successes of these students who came in as rejects and the fact that they were able to, to manage themselves and make success of their lives. Um, that is a very outstanding part. So I'm telling you how the book ties up with my work. The book is all about my work and 
the experiences, the successes, the testimonies of both parents, children, and teachers. They're all there. And con um, what I would say, confirming the fact that they can. Yes, they can succeed. So in the country today, and maybe all around, there is this challenge with the discipline and the, 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 the nation, the effect of the negative effect on the nation and the, the social life, so it affects or, or the social fabric of our society. And I do believe that the root of it starts right in the home. And these children who have challenges that were not diagnosed from early and dealt with appropriately. And I am saying it does not have to be that way. If you follow all the processes, what have you, yes, they can achieve and succeed in life. That is the essence of my book. Awesome. So now I want to get into the nitty gritty in terms of um, you've shared some gems from your book and I'm sure that we're all taking this in. I know I am taking it in because, you know, I, I have a niece that is not a bad kid, but sometimes the behavior is such that I, as someone who is not trained, wouldn't be able to handle it in the best way possible. That being said, we are talking about winning with books and going beyond book sales. So tell me what products or services or business ventures have, have come about because of your book. Okay. So actually, before, even before I wrote the book, while I was writing the book, I started to do seminars um, on the content of the book. So I was um, presenting the content of the book um, before, while it was in the process. And after that, I have used the book on different platforms in the invitation to schools to make presentation and behavior management. And uh, it's all drawn from the book. The book will give me um, live examples and you know stories. And in, but in these presentations, then I, I tell the why behind the how that we um, will see in the book. And so they all tie up together. Um, and so, so I've been doing that both to the schools, the Ministry of Education, um, special education unit and the teachers within that group. Um, in churches have invited me to do seminars there um, for different churches. And it's always based on behavior management. I, I do some, I go well within the Caribbean, you know, I've gone to other places in the Caribbean. I've, well, my St. Lucia, I know I went there last year, just barely before the COVID started. And then of course COVID started and it sort of restricted me in terms of my movement about from place to place. Um, and so, Right now, I know that what I want most of all, the book was published in 2019. And then last year, 2020, was the year that, you know, in terms of spreading out 
you know, for the leveraging and the marketing. But I got um, held back with the um, COVID. But what it has done for me now is brought to me, I was speaking to um, Kamika about something and the thought came about building a course from the book, using the book for a course. And I said, she wasn't talking about my book. She was just talking, you know, to say that this is something that persons can do. And that thought hit me like a bombshell. I said, wow, now that is an answer, right? Because here I would be getting a chance to actually teach um, what is in the book in a very intentional way, you know, consistently over, over sessions rather than just a single one-hour seminar and it stops there. It gives me a chance to do more development of persons who are interested and because I know that, I mean, this is something that affects us everywhere and some persons might not be conscious of the fact that they need the training, they need the help, but they do need it. And so a part of my desire is to reach as many parents and teachers, caregivers, other family members who have to deal with children, whether at a behaviors and challenges in a big way or a small way. Um, there is help. Okay, so I'm hearing that you have done seminars. So guys, remember Ruth had shared a few ways that we can win with books beyond book sales. And right here, Dr. Clara Ricketts has shared um, two significant ones for her, which is seminars and now the course. But I would love for Dr. Clara share with us um, any tips, any keys to win. What would you, what one or two, three bits of advice would you give someone who is thinking about writing, who is maybe in your field and would want to produce a book or to publish a book, like from your journey, from your story, wherever you want to pull, what three keys would you say or what three tips would you have for someone okay that is would say that uh, in terms of thinking about writing um the first thing i recommend is that uh, you have whatever you you, you have a, a a desire okay you have a desire to share some expertise or some knowledge that you have. You have a, a deep desire to share it mm -hmm. because that is the reason that you would want to read, write a book. So your desire is based on something that you are committed to or have a heart toward and you want to share it. Okay, so um, that is number one. And then you have you must have the faith the confidence that uh, it can be done the confidence that yes you have something to share and it can be shared 
it can it can have the effect right it can impact um somebody or it can impact people so you have the confidence on that and then you would need to have resilience determination that you are going this is something you want to do your heart tells you your heart is in it and you are convinced that by sharing what you have persons will benefit and so that has to be your driving force once you start there the other steps follow where can we get in contact with you How okay well in terms of finding me i believe the easiest way for you to do that is by email mm -hmm. right yes they can academy at no i'm sorry yes they can at gmail.com okay all right so i see ruth has raised her hand so i'll have her take it away with her question yes dr ricketts um yes. congratulations yes. i love the fact it wasn't mentioned but i think it ought to be mentioned what age did you write the book so um you're not fully retired and so what you're doing is ensuring that the legacy passes on and the wisdom and the knowledge doesn't die with you so when did you write this book if you don't mind in terms was it in retirement after retirement um that kind of thing maybe it can stimulate and help somebody so that they don't die with the expertise in them okay thank you for that question when did i write the book actually you can you, you can easily add up my age i i i, I retired from the regular school system at the regular age of, you know, age 60. And then I started Shura Foundation. And Shura Foundation have been in operation now for 16 years. So you see, you have my age right away. And then, <laughs> I mean, the writing of the book was done 2019. So at that time when this book was written, I was already um, 74, 75, 74 or thereabouts. Um, it's in my retirement, all of this is, and, and now when I, and a lot of things I've done, a lot of things that I have done, both in education, when I was doing that doctorate, I was already, I mean, nearing 70. And, uh, and so a lot of things that I have done, have been done while I'm in retirement, when after I retired from my regular um, school system. Um, what you're saying, Ruth, about dying with what you have i think right now my interest really is to, to to pass on to pass on what i have um yes to leave it i, I said yes okay it's time for you to relax and you know retire <laughs> you know really retire and i am prepared to do that but before I do that, I want to make sure that some of what I have, my experience that I have gained along the road today have been passed on. I am looking for practitioners, persons who will decide this. Yes, I want to try some of the strategies that you have been using and to be practitioners in the field. I want to practice it. So 
a lot of my emphasis in the course that I'm doing now is really to inspire people to want to take the extra effort to learn how to do it and practice it. And then I can, I can leave the scene comfortable to say that, uh, you know, I have a couple of people who have passed on the skill my learning and experience too, and so my work will continue. Um, yes, and so age is a factor only to the extent that of the consciousness that you need to pass on what you have. So it does not die with you. Have I answered your question? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I let me say I am encouraged by this. And I, you know, we are told that we're too old, we should put it aside. And you have shown us that hey, it's it's not like that. You're not too old to write a book, you're not too old to inspire something, you're not too old to want to have an impact. Dr. Clara, I, I thank you for writing that book at that age, can I tell you, because that is so inspiring, young and old. Dr. Clara Ricketts is truly an amazing woman. And uh, I am going to do a short reads from her book, Yes, They Can. And this is from chapter five. Shore Foundation Educational Center. The seed for Shore Foundation Educational Center was sown when I, the CEO and founder, discovered that there was no place in the school system for my son who had been diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, and an associated learning disability. The school which he had been attending simply labeled him a bad boy and treated him as such. I, being a special educator for several years, then made a vow to start a school for children with such needs. Like my son, many children were being left behind because they had a disability that was undetected. Children with attention deficit disorder with hyperactivity form a significant percentage of our school population. This condition is characterized by distractibility, impulsivity, and inattentiveness, which usually manifest in what is perceived as poor behavior. It falls in the category of invisible disabilities and is 10 times more common in boys than in girls. If you wanna learn more, you can get her book on Amazon, yes they can, and here in Jamaica, you can get that at the Baptist Head Office on Washington Boulevard. There, they have a bookshop there, so you can get that book. And this week now, in terms of entrepreneurship ventures, I'm going to be sharing about my ventures, just an update on the one we had last week, and also share about Dr. Ricketts, entrepreneurship venture. All right, so in terms of Dr. Ricketts, she is offering her course, Yes They Can, Behavior Management course. In terms of Dr. Ricketts course, it is called Yes They Can, and it is for parents of children with learning or behavior challenges. And it is an eight-week program 
is going to be offered July 15. So it starts July 15, 2021, and it's $199. And enrollment is now open. So you can check the show notes for the link, which is you can go to bit.ly slash yes they can course and sign up for it in terms of my own entrepreneurship venture last week we had our pilot book marketing and monetization made easy boot camp now the boot camp was preceded by a course which is based on the book pen it to win it going beyond book sales and uh, the participants were required to complete the book before watch the video on book marketing and monetization and just answer questions and then at the bootcamp they created their 90-day book marketing and monetization plan now five persons were there for this pilot and it was amazing or four are already published authors and one was preparing to write and we know that marketing should be done <laughs> about 90 percent of your marketing should already be done before the book is published so that person was in a very good position to, in order to prepare the book properly and understand how she would market and monetize that book and it was fun so now I am reviewing the plans and will be offering feedback to the participants now the pilot was offered at $99 the official cost of the course will be $199. It's going to be available on demand. And then depending on how many persons are in the course, I can set a date for the next bootcamp or it is based on your availability because the course is in demand. So that's it as it relates to my entrepreneurship ventures for this week. And so I want to thank you for listening to the show. There's not going to be any listener trivia this week because <laughs> it's a long episode. So I just want to thank you for listening and say it's time to take charge of your publishing. Go pen it to win and dominate entrepreneurship. This is Ruth Taylor saying tougher now until next time. I'm Tamara Francis, educator and editor. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast with your network. If you'd like to increase your impact and income with books, visit authorpreneursecrets.com for more resources, including the books, Pen It to Win It, and Authorpreneur Secrets. Join the Authorpreneur Secrets Academy membership group for courses, coaching, and community support to write, publish, and win with books. Enrollment is in January and June each year. You may also sign up for one of Ruth's Publishing Made Easy courses or private coaching to write and publish your next book. Until next time, go pen it to win it.